Lord. Father, this morning we come to you. Anoint us this morning, Lord, for me to speak, all of us to hear. For only the anointing can set the captives free. Bring deliverance, open eyes. Only the anointing can teach us all things. We are dependent upon you, Spirit of God. Truly, Lord, we take our carnal shoes off. We stand on holy ground. Humbling ourselves before thee. Acknowledging our poverty. Proclaiming your riches. Acknowledging our weakness. And glorifying in your strength. Speak to us this morning. We need to hear from you. For you have what we need. What we truly require. You have it. You alone have it. So speak, Father. Your children are waiting and listening. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So keep in mind all the words. You've been listening? If you heard Saturday's message, it was interesting. In spite of the rain and everything, it was full. Yesterday's meeting was interesting. It was full. Everybody was there. All the families were there. It was nice. But like we said about it, if you ask people, what do you remember from yesterday's message? They will say, we remember Pastor Vijay took Laddu home. (laughs) That is the problem. We forgot the whole message. And what captivated us was the ladder. <laughs> and this was the issue from the time of Jesus. They all saw the miracles, which were all signs, including the feeding of the 5,000. But they missed the message. And finally they crucified the messenger. Okay. Laddus are good. He sent the Laddus home and then brought it back. I was smarter than him. I never took it home. (laughs) I have a standard statement to people who sit at my dining table. With the nature of Christ, I will share my last slice of bread with those who are hungry, but not my sweets. One is a necessity, the other is a luxury. It is not written, share your sweets. (laughs) So now that you're all relaxed, and I have your attention, let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, and verse 6 and 7. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Gain. Great gain. What is great gain? Now and forever 
godliness with contentment. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. That's an interesting words to chew on. You need to sit down and think on that words. I brought nothing, I take nothing. What am I doing with life? I brought nothing, I take nothing. And all life we are running after things which we can't take. Accumulating things you will not take. Worrying about things you can't take. I brought nothing and I take nothing. That's an interesting verse. I brought nothing and I take nothing. So in that case, when it's time to go, what do I take? I take, I don't even take my body. I don't know about you, but I don't take my body. Body will be left behind. See, only things that go with us is our soul and our spirit. The only thing that goes with us is our soul and our spirit. In First Peter chapter 1 and verse 9, faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God and the end of faith. The end of our faith is the salvation of our soul. So godliness with contentment is great gain. So it's talking about the soul. It's talking about your inner man, your spirit, your soul. Focus on things which are of great gain. Don't get caught in the trap of this world. That's why God says, do not love the world. It's built on a lie or the things of this world. Why? You will take nothing with you. Absolutely nothing with you. Be satisfied with what God gives. Everything we need, God says, I will give you. Every perfect and good gift comes from above. The Father of lights. There's no shadow of turning. Everything you need, God promises us. You do what I say. I do. I will do what I have promised. Very, very clear. It's very simple. Keep life simple. So we take our soul, we take our spirit with us. We take brought nothing, we take nothing. Understand that. So when Christ came, he started working on us so that we can take something with us. If Christ hadn't come, we wouldn't take even our soul with us to God. It is also discarded. Understand that. Because that's what sin does. It actually, literally separated us from God. Separated us from God. You look from Adam to Noah, 10 generation, all God could do was completely destroy mankind. Everything of man, including man, was destroyed. Everything they made also was destroyed. Nobody took anything and they themselves were destroyed. Pictures to reflect on so that we don't get caught in this humdrum of this world. Okay. So when Jesus came, he was not dealing first with the effect. He was dealing with the cause. Why I'm saying is that 
behind every effect you see in life, there is a spiritual cause. It's a spiritual cause. Everything arises from the spirit. So if you ask God, he will show you the cause. If you deal with the cause, the effects will slowly go away. Sometimes rapidly go away. Sometimes instantly go away. But it will go away. But if you don't deal with the cause and only deal with the effects, it will keep coming back. Healing is one thing. Health is something else. Deliverance is one thing. Liberty is anything else. They are not the same. You can be delivered and go back to bondage. But to walk in liberty, there is one condition, only one condition, primary condition. The spirit is Lord. You are free. You cannot have the lordship of Jesus, of the Holy Spirit in your life and be in bondage. It is not possible. Where the spirit is Lord, you are free. Satan will have absolutely no access or influence. That's how Jesus walked. In the liberty of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit was Lord of his life. That's what we are talking about. We are talking about real freedom. What the freedom that God promises in any situation, every situation, where the peace of God will guard your mind and your hearts in Christ Jesus. Because we need to come to these things because slowly time is being wrapped up. Things are moving. God is getting ready to close this chapter of 6,000 years of human history so his son can come and peace can flow. The knowledge of God can fill this earth and Jesus can show us for a thousand years how man should have handled what God gave him. The problem is with the spirit. So the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1, it's an interesting word. Therefore, having these promises, we have all these promises. And every promise is yes and amen. Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. The filthiness of the flesh affects the body and the soul, the mind, your thinking, your emotions, everything gets. And your spirit. Now we did not think about spirit getting filthy. Right? Okay. That's where the Holy Spirit comes. He will show us stuff in our spirit. See, when man sinned and died, that does not mean he did not have a spirit. Only the spirit went dark. When the Holy Spirit comes to our spirit and when we are born again, the spirit comes back alive. There are still things in the spirit that needs to be dealt with. In Romans 8 and verse 9, this is what the word of God says. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. If he abides in you, if he dwells in you, then you are not in the flesh, you are in the spirit. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. That's how the world is divided by God into two categories. It's not like what we think. Those who have his spirit, those who doesn't have his spirit. Not those who have the word. Be very careful. Don't 
let carrying this, reading this, hearing this fool you. The people of Jesus' time, the Pharisees knew the word better than us. But what was the difference? They did not accept his spirit. They resisted his spirit. So what makes a believer a believer is not the word of God. It is the spirit of God. And if the spirit of God is there, the word of God is there. So the word of God must not come without the spirit. But the word can come without the spirit. But the spirit does not come without the word. That's how it works. So the entire world is divided into two groups. Those who have his spirit in them. And those who do not have the spirit in them. That is salvation. You are born of the spirit. Otherwise everybody going to church around the world. All generations should be in heaven. Most won't be. Most won't be. Why? Because of the spirit. Because of the spirit. They resist the spirit. They don't receive the spirit. And the first thing Jesus does after resurrection is first act in John chapter 20 and verse 22. The first thing he does is that when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. This is his own disciples who were with him for three and a half years. And if they don't receive that spirit, they won't be in heaven. The spirit of God has to be received. He can be rejected. He has to be received. That's what it means when Gospel of John begins and says, As many as you received him. Who is him? The Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God. As many as you received him, he gave them the authority, the right, the power to become the children of God. Those who received him, not those who received it. Received an idea, received him, the Spirit of God. So the first thing God does with his own disciples, one is missing. So there are only 10 of them over there. He breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. You can either receive or reject. And I believe every morning God says, receive him. He's inside us. All those who have believed in him and he has come, he says, receive him. Make him welcome. That's why one of the most popular songs of our generation is welcome Holy Spirit. Because he's very gentle. That's why the Holy Spirit is represented as a dove. And the Bible only talks about one person on whom he came and rested. That is Jesus. Because you always made him welcome. He said, Spirit of God, lead me. I'm here to hear your voice. You lead me. You lead me. The Spirit in us, that's a proof of salvation. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29, Jesus said, come to me. All who labor are heavy laden and I will give you rest. This is the first step, the first. You come to him burdened, miserable of your sin, your transgression, the weight of it. You come to Jesus. He takes it away. He cleanses you. Makes you pure as snow. Inside you don't see it. You don't even have to feel it. But you will feel it. You don't have to feel it. But you will feel it. Don't go by your feelings. And you are clean. 
and you are clean. The burden is taken away. The guilt is taken away. And then in the next verse he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's what we need. And that's where we struggle. Not with verse 28, we struggle with verse 29. Because there is a word called yoke used there. Whenever you have a yoke, there are two animals over there. So to whom am I yoked? I'm yoked to the Spirit of God. That's the person I'm yoked to. He says, take my yoke upon yourself. He says, learn of me. We are yoked to a person, the person of the Spirit of God. He's the very Spirit of Christ. He's exactly like Christ. Absolutely, exactly like Christ. Okay. But if the Spirit doesn't move, I'm not going anywhere spiritually. I can move, but the spirit won't move. This is not a physical yoke. This is a spiritual yoke. I have to move with him. And I can move without him. If I move with him, the result is rest. And the result of rest comes because his presence is going with me. My presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. You experience rest. In the midst of whatever you are going through, there is something God promises. He promises rest. And the rest is intimately connected with a person. That's what he promised Moses. Nobody, none of us, ever will face in life the challenges Moses failed. But you know what he had? He had rest. He had rest. And he had rest because of the person who was with him. We have a person not only with us, but in us. In us. Moses didn't have it, but we have it. But there is one condition for the Holy Spirit to move with us or us to move with him. One condition. He says, learn from me. Jesus said, you know what? Learn from me. Later you will ask so many questions about me. You will be amazed at all the things. But I will tell you why. All that is because of the Spirit in me. And learn from me. Do you know why the Spirit could lead me? Because I am meek and lowly. Meek and lowly. That's the attitude of the Godhead. The Father is meek. The Son is meek. The Spirit is meek. They are all humble. Totally contrary to the kingdom of the devil and the kingdom of man. Which is built on pride, by the way. Built on pride. The opposite of meekness is pride. The opposite of humility is pride. The opposite of lowliness is pride. Let me tell you again. There's a whole lot of difference between all other sins and pride. All other sins and pride. Because pride did not originate with man. It originated in the heavens with the devil. And the devil has no flesh. He has no body. He's a spirit. So pride is spiritual. It is spiritual. That is why God says, filthiness of the spirit. Pride is spiritual. 
It is in the spirit. It can get into the spirit. Once it gets into the spirit, let me tell you, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. Okay. Pride is connected to the wrong spirit. Humility is connected to the right spirit, the Holy Spirit. Humility is connected to the Holy Spirit. Pride is connected to the wrong spirit, the devil himself. That is why he was cast down from heaven. That's the mother of all sins. In Micah, chapter 6, verse 8, God says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? God wants to walk with you. If you want to walk with God, one thing. If you want the spirit to lead us, one thing. If you want the spirit to handle our situations, there is one thing. You have to deal with pride. Because Satan injected it into mankind through Adam and Eve. That's why Adam and Eve in the garden. Do you hear a sorry? Do you hear I am wrong? They say, you are wrong, she is wrong, but I am not wrong. And you are wrong, she is wrong, I am not wrong. She says, that crawling thing, no, that's wrong. It was not crawling, of course. He started crawling later. No sorry. Outside the garden, their elder son, any sorry? How did they change so fast? Something was injected into their spirit. By the time 10 generations down, God said, the only option is, Wipe them out. Start all over again with one man who was just, was blameless, and walked with God. Question, why could Noah walk with God? Because he was meek and lowly. If you are walking with God, you have to be humble. If you are not humble, you cannot walk with God. So simple mathematical deduction, Noah's lowly, he was meek, he was humble, and he walked with God. So God saved him and his family. God could speak to him. God could tell him what to do in the midst of what is coming. Judgment is coming. It's going to wipe everybody out, but I can speak to you. God can walk and speak to only us, only those who are lowly. So Jesus says one thing. Be yoked to the Holy Spirit. My own spirit is within you. But there is a condition. Learn from me. Learn from, learn from Jesus. Note, there will be no proud people in heaven. Be sure about that. There will be absolutely no proud, self-willed people in heaven. Two kings, Daniel 5 verse 20 and 22. Two kings. Okay, the father and son. Now when his heart was lifted up, this was talking about Nebuchadnezzar, and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne. His spirit was hardened in pride. That's why Pharaoh wouldn't let Israel go, in spite of all the miracles he saw, because his spirit was hardened with pride. And that pride, like God says, I put a hook in your nose, caused you to follow my people and destroyed you and your army off in one shot because that's what I do. 
That's what I do. He was deposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. Then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like beasts. His dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the most high God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over it whomever he chooses. Nebuchadnezzar, the greatest king in history, was brought down to his knees. He acknowledged he was restored. This is the handwriting on the wall. And Daniel, fearlessly standing before his son, is telling him. Now look at the next verse. But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this. You knew all this. The two kinds of pride. In Nebuchadnezzar's case, it was ignorance. In this case, it is not ignorance. It's defiant pride. Okay, I know what happened to my father. So what? So what? Okay. That's why the Bible says seasons of ignorance he will overlook. So in Nebuchadnezzar's case, when he was brought down, he humbled and he declared Daniel's God is God. The son knew it all. He knew it all. Did he humble himself? Nope. Verse 23. You have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven and they have brought the vessels of his house before you. He's now eating and drinking with his concubines and his nobles in the vessels from the king, God's temple that had been brought from Jerusalem. You lifted your heart up. You knew all this. Did it change you? And verse 30. That very night, Belshazzar, king of Chaldeans, was slain. He was not given a chance. His father was given a chance. His son was not given a chance. Same night, he was taken out. That's why the Bible says, pride goes before destruction, not fall. Ignorant pride goes before a fall. Defiant pride goes before destruction. No warning given, suddenly take out. Please don't die without warning. Make your peace with God. Go home safely. When kings are not spared. So he died without warning. The proud will be suddenly cut off. That's what I said. Now, we brought nothing. We take nothing. Be careful about these things. Be very, very careful about these things. Don't take life lightly. Anyone sitting here could go before the day is over. Anyone. That's why 2 Corinthians 7, 1 talks about the filthy. What makes the spirit filthy? Right? makes this, we won't even realize it. Because we feel good about proud. We are proud about this, we are proud about that, we are proud about this, we are proud about this, we are proud about everything. Even when we brought nothing, take nothing, we are proud about everything. And the spirit of God who is in us holds his nose. Satan was driven out of heaven because of pride. Adam and Eve were driven out of the garden because of pride. Cain went away from the presence of God because of pride. 
Nebuchadnezzar was driven from the sons of man because of pride. And Belshazzar was cut down in one day because of pride. And in the midst of all these kings, there is a man. There's a man called Daniel. He's a different man. A different kind of man. These are types in the old covenant teaching us. Learn from this cloud of witnesses. In this cloud of witnesses, there are many stars. Some stars shine brighter than other stars. And Daniel himself will tell that. Okay. He doesn't know he's one of those shining stars. In Daniel 6 and verse 3, then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. What is different about him? He had an excellent spirit in him. It's God's commendation. He talks about Caleb. He had a different spirit in him. He's not talking about the soul, okay? He's talking about the spirit. Excellent spirit in him. God is teaching us. Why is this so important? Because, remember, all the promises in the Bible are to the overcomers. And we need to look at what are the things that will stop us from overcoming. Jesus said, learn of me. I am meek and lowly. And even to the most reprobate church called Laodicea, he says, if you overcome, as I overcome, you can reign with me. Reign with me. There are 120 satraps and governors. Of which there are three of them who are top. And Daniel is one of the top. And the king wants to make him the top. What did he see? What did this Gentile king see in this man? Excellence. Remember the kings who come one after another are all different kings. But everybody recognizes something in this man. Remember this is exactly what the Pharaoh also saw in Joseph. An excellent spirit in him. A spirit in him. Picture of Jesus. Why did Jesus overcome? Like no man overcame. Because he had a meek and a lowly spirit. Why was no deceit found in his mouth? Because he had a meek and a lowly spirit. Why could he be led by a lamb, like a lamb to slaughter? Because of a meek and a lowly spirit. Why could he be awakened morning by morning? Because he had a meek and a lowly spirit. Why could he be taught and his ear opened? And his tongue anointed? Because he had a meek and a lowly spirit. So in life, look at what is important to God. Not what is important to man. What is beautiful in God's sight and a meek and a gentle spirit. Specifically told to sisters, but generally told to the church who is the bride. Peter says, which is of great value in the eyes of God. What is that? And a meek and a lowly, gentle spirit. World may look for different things in women. That's not what God looks for. If you really are unmarried and want a man after God's own heart, 
try to be a woman after God's own heart. Lord, I'm praying and waiting for a man after God's own heart. But he says, would you please become first a woman after my own heart? Do you know what it is? Who's got a meek and a gentle spirit. Which is of great, precious value in the eyes of God. We're looking at things we can take with us when we go home. Things which are of value to God. That is why the Bible reiterates over and over. What is that? Humble thyself in the sight of God. Humble thyself in the sight of God. Do you know that almost 99% of every relationship problems can be solved if you humble yourself? That almost all problems are caused by pride. The root cause of almost all conflicts and conflicts cannot be resolved is only because of pride. Many had issues with Jesus. Jesus had no issues with anybody. Because the conflict is my will or your will. The meek says God's will. The proud says my will. Chapter 6 and verse 4. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. When you have an excellent spirit. And when the king wants to promote you. Look at has types. When you have an excellent spirit and when the king of kings and the lord of lords is planning to promote you in his sight, all the demonic hosts get mad. God doesn't promote everybody. He doesn't look at your wisdom, your qualifications, your talents. Your, he doesn't. He looks at the spirit. That's what the Bible says. When the first two young men to came to God to offer their sacrifices, he looked at Cain and then at his offering. He looked at Abel, then looked at his offering. Cain, spirit wrong, offering wrong. Abel, spirit right, offering right. Because you cannot come by faith unless you are meek. Because faith means I go with God. And not my understanding, not my will, not my desire, not what I think is right, but what he says is right. You cannot have faith Without meekness. You cannot receive grace without faith. So meekness goes first. When God says be humble. He says so that I can give you grace. Grace and faith are connected. Meekness and faith are connected. Meekness and grace are connected. So God looks into the spirit. He's not looking into your brains first to know how much Bible you have memorized. You could have memorized the entire scripture like the devil. He can quote it backwards and be absolutely proud in your heart. Where God will refuse us to speak to you. The spirit is what he looks at first. That is what we are looking at. The filthiness. The Holy Spirit comes. He starts working on us from inside out. And he comes into our spirit. And he starts cleaning up our spirit. 
The problem is we clean up everything. We say, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do, like the Pharisee, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't I do this, I do this. God says, man, your spirit is full of pride. You will go back home unjustified. He's talking about cleaning up his body. While his spirit is filthy. So the demonic hosts have all come. They are trying to find something, some fault in him. Because Satan is so mad that God is actually planning to give to man what Satan wanted. Right? That's what Revelation 3.21 says. If you can, if you overcome, you will sit with me on my throne. That is what the devil wanted. He wants it to God's throne. Sit on God's throne. And God is giving it to man. And he's so angry. So whenever the devil sees somebody with an excellent spirit, somebody who is meek, somebody who is lowly, somebody who is humble before God, he sees that he raises hell. Literally raises hell. He comes. What does the Bible say? Going back to the previous verse, 6-4. He does a scan. CT scan, MRI scan, everything on him. Full body scan. But the problem was, they could not find any charge or fault. They couldn't find anything. They did a full scan on this guy. They couldn't find anything. Why? The reason was, because he was faithful. Because he was faithful. They couldn't find anything on him because he's faithful to his God. They couldn't get anything. He was blameless. He walked before his God. That's what God would tell Abraham after he goofed up and created an Ishmael. 13 years later, God comes and tells Abraham, walk before me and be blameless. Walking before God is something else that is constantly checking with the Holy Spirit. What is that you dislike about me? Where do you want me to change? Did you like this? Did you like the tone of my voice? Did you like the way I talked? Did you like the words I used? Did you, did you, did you, did you always living to please somebody else? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And the God is not somewhere far away. He's right there within, if you're willing to listen. Daniel walked before God and he was without fault. Because he was faithful. Faithful to God. It's not that he was sinless, but he always put it right. There's nobody who can be sinless. But you can be blameless. Remember, these were all the testimonies of Job, Noah, Joseph, Daniel. These were not perfect people. These were all blameless people. They put their lives before God constantly according to what he said. The only way you will be blameless is when God shows you. You can look in the mirror and say, I am blameless. But you cannot look at God and say you are blameless because he will show you what to Anyone condemn you. When the spirit of God comes, he will convict. Convict. 
And when you convict, he will also show what you need to do to get right out of conviction. Repent, confess, and believe in my sons. It's a consistent, constant path. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 23, 24 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. If you are willing, he will do it. The spirit within you will do it. Your spirit, your soul, and your body, even your body, your body may be left behind, but let it be blameless. Let it be blameless. You're not taking a body with you that does not mean it should be full of blame. Oh, sugar high, tobacco, alcohol, smells of beer. No. I'm leaving the body behind. Because that was a theology in the old days. The body is going to be condemned. The body is not going to take away. So eat, drink and be merry. Be careful. All these heresies have crept into this church. For 2000 years. But the Bible says to keep your body blameless before God. Blameless before God. These are choices people make. Choices people make. Simple choices people make. You will live long. With a healthy body. Which is the temple of the living God. And you can use it to serve him. Okay. And if you really, really trust God, I really believe in everything that is written here. You really, really trust God and you messed up your body. Your media has got all kind of things. I still believe that you surrender your body and listen to your Holy Spirit. He will restore your body. The very spirit that raises, raised Jesus from the dead shall quicken your mortal bodies, is what is written. When you come to this, believe it with all your heart. It is God's word. What he has said, I believe. I believe. Don't rule out your body because of your infirmities or your age or anything. Because if you went by the body and your weakness and your age, Isaac won't be born. There will be no Isaac. There will be no Israel. There will be no Messiah coming from that line. Because it was impossible according to written in the word of God. Both of them, their bodies were as good as dead. But the word of God came and they believed. They believed. Get these things right because... This is there. He has magnified his word about all his name. Don't just read it. It's written by God. That's why the Bible is so beautiful the way it begins. In the beginning, God. As simple as that. In the beginning, God. So there he is. He's faithful to do it. Present my spirit, your spirit, your soul, your body. When Jesus comes, the spirit says, son, here it is. Part of your bride, blameless. They listened to me. They obeyed me. I did the work in and through them. They are blameless in their spirit, in their soul, in their body. Because we brought nothing, we'll take nothing, 
but we can definitely give God something. A spirit and a soul and a body that can be blameless when Jesus comes. But the biggest stumbling block is in the spirit and it is pride. It is pride. Biggest stumbling block is in the spirit. It is not so much in the soul. That's why the Bible says the word of God is living. It has to cut through the dividing of the soul and the spirit and show you. You look at the soul and you will think it all and say, this is fine, I will handle this, I will handle it. But you won't allow the word to go into your spirit and say, this is where the infection is coming from. Your ideas are fantastic. Your will is very strong. Your emotions are kosher, covered under a veneer of pride. And you are not able to see it because you will not allow the word of God to get into your spirit and reveal to you this is your problem. This is your problem. That is the cause of almost everything. If symptoms are different. Don't treat symptomatically. Go to the cause. A symptom of pride is anger. That's why God asked Cain, why are you angry? Because he's been a farmer. He's worked hard the whole season. He's proud of his accomplishments. And he brings the produce of his garden before God. And God rejected it. His pride was hit. Why are you angry? Be angry, but do not sin. That is the anger at evil. That's an anger at unrighteousness. But most anger is neither about evil or unrighteousness. It is because your pride was hit. They won't say in so many words, but saying, how dare you speak to me like that. He didn't say that directly to God, but how dare you reject my sacrifice and receive this fellow. All he was going is after some sheep. I know him. What did he do? What labor? Did he dig the ground? Did he water the plants? Did he birth those lambs? What did he do? You accepted him and rejected mine? The root cause. Anger. Jealousy. Offense. Unforgiveness. Bitterness. Unforgiveness. Offense. Why are you offended? <laughs> Judas was offended and went and betrayed Jesus. Just because Jesus said, leave her alone. Unforgiveness. See, I'll tell you why people don't forgive. It is not because what the other did to you. Because to who they did it. How can they do this to me? Don't they know what I did for them? Welcome to hell. His enemies scanned him, not his friends. Friends can even say, Macha, you are good only, yaar. His enemies scanned him and said without fault, 
Pilate looked at Jesus, listened to all of them, and he said, I find no fault in him. And he knew, the Gentile knew, you are handing him over to me because of envy, because of jealousy. You're jealous of him. You're jealous of him. What are you jealous about him? I don't understand your ministry and all, but what are you jealous about him? He has no church. He has no degree. He has no following. He's got few illiterate fishermen as his disciples. You've got all these trappings, but still you are jealous about him. What does he have that you don't have? The spirit. The anointing. The presence. The power. And a future. That you don't have. Pilate declared, I find no fault in him. And his enemies looked and said, they find no fault in Daniel. Because he could, there was no fault in Daniel, the lions could not hold Daniel, nor the grave Jesus. Don't let grave hold you. Even his enemies in Daniel 6, 4 testified privately among themselves, not in publicly, that he is faithful. And Jesus was faithful as a son. No fault was found in him. Then Daniel 6, 6 and 7. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. And the governors and the kingdom, the administrators and the satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute to make a firm degree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days, accept you. Accept you. This is how the devil will use flattery to deceive you. They got together. They're setting the king up. They're setting Daniel up. Setting the king up. Setting Daniel up. Be careful. Nobody should pray. Because they already consulted. You know what? This You cannot cast this man on anything or that something is connected with his God which he will not break. You can't say don't read the word because he's memorized it. So you cannot stop him there. He knows the entire word by heart. So you cannot stop him there. So let's do something. Let's catch him in his prayer life. Let him catch him in his prayer life. The devil leaves us all alone because we have no prayer life. (laughs) If he can catch us praying, he will be surprised. A pun indented. The king agreed. Somebody should have been upset. Daniel should have been upset. I am the one closest to you. 
I'm the one you are planning to make number two in the kingdom. You didn't even ask me. You didn't even consult me. And you also know, you know me well, you also know I am somebody who prays. Was Daniel upset? You read Daniel chapter 6 very carefully. 120 satraps, three on the top. Daniel is one of them and he wants to make Daniel the top guy. And the king did not consult with him. And they said, we consulted among ourselves and oh king, make this degree. And he's very happy. He didn't consult with the man he should have consulted. He rejected consciously, unconsciously, whatever. He rejected Daniel. Daniel is not upset. What happens if you are rejected? Would you be offended? Don't nod your head. I won't be because suddenly rejection will come before the day is over. He's been faithful. He's been loyal. And he's been without fault in his service to the king. And king did not even think about him. Didn't even think about it. Think on these lines. It's a test for Daniel. God allows these tests. It's a temptation from the devil, but a test from God. Same thing. The devil brings us a temptation so you will get bitter, you will get angry, you will get upset. But God puts it as a test so that he can promote you. I've been so loyal to the church. I've been so faithful in my service. But on that day when everybody was called, pastor ignored me. That is how God works. He will cause the pastor to forget. Pastor will feel sorry later, but the event is over. Final test for Joseph. Rejected by brothers. Rejected by his lawyer to master who was so loyal. Final test. The cupbearer goes and he says, I will remember you. And he forgets him promptly for two years. Will he be offended? Joseph? God allows certain things to happen. B, that's what I said. If you don't see things through the eyes of God and through the voice of the Holy Spirit, we will not understand the things that are happening in our life. We say, Lord, why is this happening? God says, I am with you. I'm taking you through this process. Psalm 55, verse 12 and 13. For it is not an enemy who reproaches me, Then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me. Then I could hide from him. But it was you, a man, my equal, my companion, and my acquaintance. What happens when it is somebody who you love, who loves you, who rejects you? What happens when it is your own ten brothers who sell you? They sold you out. There is a dream, twice given, you shall reign. But the question is, can you reign? Will you be qualified to reign? Yes, the prophecy is there, but you have to fulfill prophecy. 
You are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Prove it. Let me see when these things happen. What do you carry in your heart? Somebody close. It was you. A man, my equal, my companion, my acquaintance. Oh king, oh king. I was loyal to you. I was faithful to you. And you didn't think about me when you made this law. When you knew, knew that there was one thing that was important to me. You took that away from me. One thing. You know, I cannot stop praying. And there's a death sentence. And you didn't think about me? Job 19 and verse 19. All my close friends abhor me and those whom I love have turned against me. We don't understand the grief Job is going through on top of loss of everything. All those I thought would be there for me have turned against me. The tests of a righteous man. These are not the tests of wicked people. These are the tests of the righteous. The tests of those who, in whom the Spirit of God resides. The tests of them. The Spirit of God himself will allow this test to happen in our life. Psalm 41 and verse 9. Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Can you handle it? Without offense, without unforgiveness, without envy, without bitterness, without anger, without anything of this surfacing in your, taking root in your head. Bible says the root of bitterness took, sprung up in many hearts and they fell short of the grace of God. Defiled the grace of God. Look at 6.13, what they spoke. So they answered and said before the king, that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you. This is why we need grace. Because this is how law works. Law will not look at the 99 you kept. It will pick up the one you didn't keep. What do they call him? See, when they want to condemn you, they will go back to your Hebrew roots. That captive from Judah, no? That captive? That prisoner? We are all Babylonians. That fellow, no? You want to raise this fellow? That captive? Now they are poisoning his ears. You know, at the end of the day, remember where he is from. He's not one of us. You want to trust him? You want to appoint him to the top? Don't you know where he is from? He's a captive from? Judah. Be ready for these things. As the tide in this country changes. Don't deny him. Genesis 39 verse 14. She called to the men of her house and spoke to them saying, See, he has brought into us a Hebrew. Hebrew. Suddenly he is called by his native name. Hebrew. That Hebrew fellow, the one who crossed the river, the Hebrew among us, we are all Egyptians, this Hebrew. When that cupbearer finally remembers the dream, how does he 
introduce Joseph to the Pharaoh. Now there was a young Hebrew man with us. Forty-three, thirty-two. So they set him a place by himself and them by themselves. And the Egyptians ate with him by themselves because Egyptians could not eat food with the Hebrews for that is an abomination to the Egyptians. Are you willing to accept? Now he's governor over Egypt, still sitting alone with his Egyptian identity. Are you willing? What all people do to be accepted by the world. They deny their Christian roots. They deny their spiritual heritage. Just to belong to the world. Just to belong to the world. I have a cousin. Who's 40 years younger than me. Okay. My mom's youngest brother's son who they had in their old age, like Isaac. So he sent me a picture yesterday to show to my mother. I looked at the picture, it's a selfie. I said, what's wrong with you? Have you got chicken, chicken box? He said, no, that's dust on the mirror. Then he, I said, send another picture. How can I show this to your aunt? No. I looked at the picture and said, what's wrong with the second picture? It looks as if you got COVID. Then he finally sent me a third picture. I looked at the picture and said, what's wrong with this picture? What did you do? He said, I straightened my hair. I said, dummy, girls straightened their hair. What are you doing, boy? You had such nice girls, you straightened your hair. What all people will do? Just to belong. Just to belong. Here is Joseph. Appointed and anointed by the Pharaoh. There is none second to him. He is only second to him. Me. Everything is under his hand. Anything. You go to him. Sitting alone. Refusing to deny his Hebrew roots. Will we? That's the whole idea. I was rejected there. I was rejected there. I was rejected there. This one rejected me. That one rejected me. But we forget one thing. Yes, that one rejected you. This one rejected you. That one rejected you there. That one rejected you five years ago, ten years ago. But you forget one thing. We have been accepted in the beloved. That one fact we forget. We have been accepted by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords as his own. Therefore, Daniel is not worried because he knows who he is. Are you ashamed to say, yes, it is true. I am a Hebrew. I crossed the river. There's no turning back. There is no going back. I put my hand on the plow. There is no going back. You can call me what you want. Yes, I'm a captive of Judah. Praise for my king who delivered me has taken hold of my heart. I am a captive of praise because I will praise him. Do you know what the Bible says? He was crucified outside the gate. Therefore, is no lasting place for us. So bearing his reproach, let us also go outside the gate. And then the Bible says after that, offer him a sacrifice of praise. For praise. Yes, you are right, O princess. I am a captive of Judah. 
for praise has captivated my heart. Get these pictures. They're going to dig into your past. They're going to bring everything possible they can find. Only the humble who have trusted in Christ can go through this test. Because whatever they bring up, you should be able to say, yeah, that is true. I always knew there was nothing good in me. You are right. Absolutely right. There is nothing good in me. If you find anything good in me, let me tell you, it was Christ and not me. It was Christ and not me. They're going to dig you. They're going to scan you. And they're going to stand and accuse before the king. This man, a captive from Judah, does not regard you. So when we talk about the cross, understand what the cross is. The cross is a way of life. It's a way of life. It's a pathway in which we are called to walk. First Peter chapter 2, 21 to 25. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in, in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who bore, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. What the Bible says, for you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Remember, God is the father of our spirit and the overseer of our soul. He's the shepherd of our soul. He's the father of our spirits. He says, he showed you a way. Go that way. Don't pretend to be meek. Be meek. Only the spirit of God can. Don't pretend to carry this grudge in your heart like Ahitophel and bow before King David. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Three bags full, sir. And everything. And then when the time came, we don't know how many years have passed. When he got the opportunity, when he found Absalom was king, he went over to Absalom's side and said, I will tell you how to secure the throne. But his entire motivation was to have revenge over David for something David had done years and years ago for which even God had forgiven him. This man hadn't. He pretended to be meek. Pretended to be humble. That is servility. That's not humility. Don't be servile. Be meek. Genuinely meek. For that You have to deal with the issues of relationships right from your heart before God. I have forgiven. I carry no offense. I have let go. God bless them. God bless them. Peter 3 verses 14 to 17. Even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Why? Yeah. 
But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks your reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. The will of God. The will of God to suffer for doing good than for evil. For these are not random words. These are fundamental. I'm telling you, if you do not, we do not learn these lessons early. We will wander like the children of Israel in the wilderness. He will take care of us. But we will not enter into the life that has been promised, the overcoming life. Because the stumbling blocks to that life are not outside, they are inside. In you shall be a spring, that the well that springs to everlasting life. And from your belly shall flow rivers of living water. So the life I want and the life I should give both are inside, not outside. What is stopping the flow? What is stopping the flow? Why is that I am not able to experience the life that Jesus promised he has brought? to give. The thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. But I have come to give you life and life in abundance and that life is characterized by righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will show these things if we are good in listening when we read the word, when we pray, if we are good at listening. Because there is an enemy who is going to scan us and he knows You can't fool him because he knows. One can smile and smile and be a villain. Shakespeare said it. One can smile and smile and be a villain. If you are smart, like me, when people smile at you, watch their eyes. The smiles don't reach their eyes. Watch their eyes. Those whose smile reaches their eyes, then you know they are okay with you. Those whose eyes smiles, everybody is very carefully trying to smile with their eyes. I've never seen so many blinking eyes in a church. Everybody is trying to smile with their eyes. Okay, just telling you, now don't stare into everybody's eyes from today onwards. Are you smiling with your eyes? Don't go home and start that as a fight. I remember whenever you slice honey, when you smile at me, it never reaches your eyes. I am trying to make peace and not more conflict here. Let's go to Daniel 6 and verse 8 and 9. Now, O king, establish the decree, sign the writing so it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the dec- written decree. Laws are being changed. It's not yesterday or today or tomorrow. From ancient times, laws of nations have been changed, targeting the believer, so his relationship with his God, his fellowship with his God can be broken. Don't pray. Don't read your word. Don't gather in services. All these laws will be made. Be careful. The question is when these things happen, these are all laws against the spirit of God. What will you do? 
These laws are against the spirit. The soul will come, okay, if I don't pray for 30 days, it's okay. On the 31st day onwards, I'll go on a 30-day fast and pray extra. That's all the soul. The soul will tell you, all these laws are against the spirit. What will you do? Let me tell you the truth. Your real strength is not in your body. I've seen six feet, seven inches men run before lizards. I'm not talking about Pastor Vijay. <laughs> He's only six three. <laughs> I've seen unbelievably intellectual people with the best PhDs from the best universities crumble under pressure. Your real strength is in your spirit. That's why in Paul tells Timothy, God has not given you the spirit of fear. But he has given you, read it this way, the spirit of love, the spirit of power, the spirit of a sound mind. It's in your spirit. It's in your spirit. That's where strength flows from. That's where power flows from. That's where it all, all God's things flow from the spirit. And we are talking about things that can mess up your spirit and the laws that will be made in nations against your spirit. Your spirit. And therefore these decisions are not intellectual decisions. These are spiritual decisions. You are not making intellectual decisions. You are not making emotional decisions. You are making a spiritual decision. A spiritual decision can be made only by a spiritual man who has learned to hear from the spirit and walk with the spirit. That's why the Bible says the spiritual man judges all things, but no one judges him correctly. You can't judge him because you don't even understand from where he is making his decisions. Because his decision does not fit in with your intellect. It doesn't fit in with your emotions. It doesn't fit with what you do with your will because he is hearing from God. He's hearing from God. He's faithful to God. He's faithful to God. Daniel 6.10 And when Daniel knew the writing was signed, he went home. He went home. The entire decree of 120 states Stretching from the Middle East, from Israel, all the way to India, 120 provinces, the entire law was aimed at one man. Not all Jews, one man. Not all Christians, one spiritual Christian. The man who prays. Because the devil fears praying saints. And if he can, Outlaw prayer. He will do it. Why did the greatest nation on earth in human history has, is battling for its survival today? Because they outlawed prayer. They outlawed prayer. And that's for the devil. He has never changed. His patterns never change. He's still the same. And he's, he's a very good salesman. He can fool generation after generation after generation with the same lie. What is his first lie? Did God say you cannot eat? Any? God said you can eat of everything. Don't eat that. 
So what did the devil come and says? That one thing God said, don't eat that. He will say, see, God doesn't love you. Is that how you fall? What are you offended about? One thing. He did this to me. You forget all the other things he did for you. She did this to me. You forgot all the other things she did for you. He's still selling the same lie over and over again. And he still gets away with it. You got everything that you actually need for life because you are taking nothing, but you are dissatisfied because of that one thing you didn't get. One thing. It's a good salesman. When he gets into administrator's head, he makes laws against those who pray. Because if you don't pray, nothing will happen. He will target that. Because all our defeats are connected to that one place. Our prayer closet. If that prayer place is empty, you can be very sure you will be defeated. The Bible says, as soon as he heard the decree was signed, he went home. He didn't stop there. He went to the upper room, his prayer closet. He had an upper room. He had a place. Where he met God regularly. He had a place where he prayed. Do we have a place where we pray? Do we have a time that you pray? Do you have a place where you meet God on a regular basis? If you don't have, it doesn't matter what law is passed. It does not affect you anyway. It was not aimed at you anyway. It was aimed at somebody else who prays. Think on these things. That's why the disciples asked Jesus one thing. Teach us to pray. They didn't want to pray. They wanted a mantra. They didn't ask him anything. They said, teach us to pray. They knew his entire power in his ministry came from his prayer closet. Teach us to pray. Consistent in his walk with his God. Unruffled by the the opposition he pays from the high priest down, everybody is facing. And move. Still gentle, still kind, still full of compassion. Will oppose the Pharisees, yet will go minister to the Pharisees, eat with the Pharisees, heat with the harlots, minister to the harlots, condemn nobody, and yet save everybody. Where did you get this from? You're receiving something from your prayer closet. Do you know the 16 months in David's life? The terrible things he did to the point of calling Achish, the Philistine king, as his lord. Do you know what happened in those 16 months? He never prayed. He stopped hearing from God because he stopped praying. He made a decision without checking with God and his prayer life is over. His restoration comes back only when he prays. God waited. My beloved son. God waited. And when he prayed, God immediately answered. He forgave him and told him, go, surely you shall overtake. 
That's why we said last week about halt, stop. When you're hungry, when you're angry, when you're lonely, when you're tired, pray. Don't do anything. David was all for. You know what he did? He prayed. God told him what to do. When he prayed, he was on the way back to restoration. All it took was get back to that place and hear that familiar voice. And you're back. Back on the road. Back on the journey to victory. Back again. He'd been running for years and months. But when he prayed, God started moving the pawns again. Started moving. You need to realize that is what the devil is trying to stop. Stop us from praying. Stop us from having a place called an upper room. A spiritual place where we meet with God. In James 5 and verse 13, the Bible says, if any one of you see in suffering, let him pray. Let him pray. Are you in trouble? Let him pray. Did you pray? Is anyone among you sick? Now you are sick. That means you need help. You are praying in your suffering, but your suffering is not elevated. On top of that, now you are sick, either in the body or in the mind. You need help. Would you call somebody else to pray? So the solution always is found in the prayer closet. You read that entire passage, it's only about prayer. Pray, 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 pray. Did you pray? And when things got worse, did you try to call somebody else to pray over you or pray along with you? That's what the Bible is saying. Did you pray? Daniel went to pray. He went to pray. Daniel's prayer could not be stopped. And Jesus' prayer could not be stopped even by the cross. Watch out. The devil will relentlessly attack our prayer life. Relentlessly attack our prayer life. Because he knows. Yesterday we had a question, right? Is there a point called, I prayed enough? Somebody. I don't know that sister. I don't know exactly where she's from. Because she mailed me. You know, so most of the people who write, I know which country. But this one I did not know. But she asked, is there a place? No. For certain things in life, there is no place called prayed enough. Daniel 6.10 He went to his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees. What does the Bible say? He knelt down. That's the visible picture of humbling yourself. Anywhere in the Old Testament where worship is used, it says they bow down. Or they fell on their face, they bow down. And any place you see great men pray, you will see they knelt down or they fell on their face before God. A visible body. The body is aligning with the spirit. The spirit is meek and the body says, I will kneel down. 
I will kneel down. Body language, we call it. Body language. God also watches body language. Luke 22 and verse 41. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and he prayed. Who is this? Jesus. Now if you're older and you have an issue of kneeling down, you don't have to kneel down. Lie flat on your face. One on one, when you are with God, it matters. It matters how you stand before God. Moses was alone before God. God said, take your shoes off. Joshua was alone before God. He said, take your shoes off. Daniel is alone before God. He knelt down. Jesus was alone before God. All the others are far behind. He knelt down. Why? Because a meek and a lowly spirit will kneel down before God. Acknowledging his sovereignty and his authority. It's good. You'll get used to it. Why? Because it is written one day, every knee shall bow. Every knee. Whether you like it or not. I'm telling you, if you don't like it, the angels will come and break your knees. The man of God, the saints have said, when the angels, sorry, the Roman soldiers came, first they broke his legs on the cross. Then they came to the other fellow, they broke his legs. When it came to Jesus, they didn't. And he said the reason was that knees that pray, bones can't be broken. Those knees were always bent before God. And those legs cannot be broken. Those bones cannot be broken. Learn from the greats. problem is, if our knees don't regularly bend before God, it will bend before the slightest wind from the world. Because the world is always saying, bend, bow, or burn. Come on, come on, compromise, compromise, bend to our views, bend, 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 bend. So you see to bend. If you don't bend before God, our knees will bend something else. Because we are created to worship. If we don't create worship God, we'll end up worshipping something else. And if you have nothing to worship, you'll worship your own opinion. Go back to 610. He went to his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. Are our windows open or closed? Our windows open or closed. I remember my father saying, <laughs> when he stopped smoking for a long time, he said what happened was, he was in his office smoking, it's the principal, no, he was smoking, and suddenly out of the blue, the director of education walked into the office. So he flicked his cigarette like this, the window was closed. <laughs> it hit the window and fell right on the director of education. I mean, they're all polite people. He didn't say anything but that day. My father stopped smoking for a long time. The question is, when you are praying, are your window closed or open? Is it bouncing back? Or your window open towards Jerusalem? 
If your window is open towards your Jerusalem, it is your name, your kingdom, your will, your desire, your purpose, your plan for me. Your window is closed. My will, my desire, my career, me, me, me. Is the window open or shut? Because we pray. The question is not whether we pray. We may even have an upper room. The question is, is the window towards heaven or the window closed? Are you praying for what you want? Or are you praying to know what God wants for you? Behold it in the volume of the book. It is written about me. I have come to do your will. That's not how we read the Bible. We read the Bible to find those fantastic promises which is according to my will. Jesus is reading the Bible to find is what is the Father's will. And the final point of the Father's will is you will go to the cross. You will go to the cross. And he said, not my will, but your will be done. Open window. Because after we knelt and prayed in Luke twenty-two forty-one, the next word says, this is what he said, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Open window. And the father said, no, drink from it. They heard just like that. People say, I have prayed, I have never heard. Whose will are you praying for? Whose will are you praying for? No, I pray regularly. I have upper room also. Good for you. But what about the windows? Is it open? Or is it shut? Then God will be able to speak to us. We don't want, like yesterday's QA, we don't want answers like Israel got King Saul. In my anger, I gave them a king and I took him away in my wrath. Samuel, don't get upset. They did not reject you. They rejected me. Some of our prayers that are answered is a rejection of God in our lives. Because we didn't want the son of David. We wanted the son of Saul. A man of flesh, head and shoulders above the rest, which will appeal to the Gentile eyes. And the world in us were hungering for those answers. And the spirit who envies intensely for us, what is James says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know? Friendship with the world is enmity with God. So window closed or window open? Psalm 95 verse 6. Oh come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, today, today, this is the portion. This is the psalm. The writer of Hebrews will speak about in Hebrews chapter 3. Want to read the rest of the verses? Let's read the rest of the verses. We are the sheep of his Pastor, let us come down, worship him, and kneel before him. Let's read further. Today, if you will hear, verse uh, 9 onwards, 8 onwards. Do not harden your hearts in as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. For 40 years, I was grieved with that generation and said, 
This is a people who go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Do you know what it means? Do you know what verse 11 means? For a believer in the 21st century or new covenant, he's in us, but he's not with us. He's in us, but he's not with us. Because if he's with us, my presence shall go with you and you shall have rest. His presence was with Moses, not with the people. So that man knew rest. Do you know what the world wants? Do you know what all of us want? We want rest. But we cannot have rest unless he comes with us. So the psalmist says, let us go down. Let us bow down. Let us kneel before our maker. He is our shepherd. We are the sheep of his pasture. But today when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Because we need rest. We need rest. Daniel had rest. Daniel had rest. The king had no rest. You know, Daniel in the lion's den had rest. The king was sleepless. No music was brought. I don't think even he ate. He was so restless. The man in the palace is restless. The man in the lion's den has rest because God is with him. Jacob said, my son is dead. I will go to my grave. And he got into his bed, refused to get down. Joseph is working hard and doing well in Potiphar's house because God is with him. Where you are, your condition does not matter. What matters is who is with you. Who is with you? This is scripture. The Babylonian king's decree cannot be broken after it's written and signed. Heaven and earth will pass away. Not even a dot from my word, says the Lord. It will not be broken. You can believe. You can believe. For it is the king, if you look at Daniel chapter 6 and verse 14. 6, 14. When the king heard these words, he was greatly displeased with himself. In English, modern language, we say he kicked himself. What did I do? They set me up. But it's already written and signed. What can I do? And set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. But there is no way. It is already written. You cannot take it back. That's why I said, no, be very careful when you make decisions. Because certain decisions, when it is made, cannot be taken back. It comes with own conditions. It's written. Because these are words. Think before you speak. Because once you speak, you may apologize, but you are not sure whether the other person has received your apology. Or accepted it with face value. <laughs> okay. Words matter. It matter. He wrote it. He signed it. Now it cannot be taken back. When trials come, when testing comes, when tribulation comes, let me tell you, what we need is God with us. Let's go to verse 16 and then verse 20. We know Daniel is in the den. 
So the king gave the command. They brought Daniel and cast him into the den of the lions. But the king spoke saying to Daniel, your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. He says, I tried my best. Morning till evening I tried. I was trying to look one loophole, one loophole, one loophole. But the problem is there is no loophole. It's very simple. Don't pray for 30 days except to me. And I know you, you will not pray to me. I know you. You will request, you will say, but you will not pray to me. That I know, you. I know you very well. When you pray, you will only pray to your God. Nobody else. But I know something. You serve your God continually. He will deliver you. He will deliver you. Verse 20. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke saying to Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you? Something which the king knew about Daniel. Daniel served his God continually. Interesting, right? Do we serve God continually or occasionally? Sometimes the flesh, sometimes God, sometimes the world. Sometimes nobody. I'm so depressed, I don't want to serve myself also. Who do we serve? Your God. Daniel did not go to the king looking for a way out. He did not devise any plans. He just went to his prayer closet. Daniel 6.10 Can I have it? He went into his windows, opened towards Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times that day. Three times. And prayed. And gave thanks. Prayed. And gave thanks. As was his custom from his early days. First Thessalonians 5.18 In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. In everything, yeah. What is the latest law? If you, if you pray, you'll go into the lion's den. What should you do about that? I don't know about that. One thing I know, I will give him thanks. Now go to the preceding verses. Five. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And what's verse 19? What's verse 19? You know why the Spirit of God was with him? Because he did not quench the Spirit of God by rejoicing, praying without ceasing, and giving thanks. How do we quench the Holy Spirit in us? He's there to help us out. He is the presence of God, manifest presence of God in us and with us. But how do we quench him? And how did Daniel, an old covenant saint, experience the presence of God in a situation like this? Because he was a new covenant believer in the Old Testament. He prayed, he gave thanks, he was rejoicing, 
And you know what? God was with him. God was with him. And even the king is saying, king is saying, your God will deliver you. I have come to the end of my power. But when the king's power ends, our king's power begins. I can't do anything here. But your God will surely deliver you. Daniel 6.18 Now the king went to the palace, spent the night fasting. No musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Daniel is sleeping very nicely. He's sleeping very well. King is not able to sleep. Daniel is able to sleep very well. Look at Romans 6.22. Sorry, not from uh, Daniel 6.22. I think I didn't give it. 6.22. You know what he says? My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him and also king. I have done no wrong before you. Why couldn't the lions harm him? Why were angels sent to shut the mouth of the lions? Because he was innocent before God and did the king no harm. Can we say that about ourselves? There's a lion. There are lions who talk. But God says, don't worry about that. You have a choice. Be blameless before me and do them no harm. If your conscience is clear about these two things, you don't have to worry. My angels will shut their mouths. You don't have to worry. It will not hurt you. Whatever they say will have no effect on your life. My plans and my purposes, purposes will work out in your life. It will not come to pass. Their curses, their sorcery, their witches, which are all curses, uttered with words, will have no effect on you. Why? Because you are not with fault before me. And you did them no harm. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den. No injury, whatever was found on him because he believed on his God. You see that? One day we will also be pulled out of the lion's den. We are living in a lion's den. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. In 1 Peter 5, 8, The Bible says, what? Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the lion, is looking for whom he can devour. What does it mean? He's a hungry lion. He's a hungry lion. And Revelation 12, 12 says he has come down with great wrath. He's an angry lion. We are surrounded by demonic hosts which are angry and hungry and they're infesting humans. And God says, you don't worry. One day, suddenly I'll pull you out and send them down. Pull you out and send you down. And when that happens, you will see there was no mark on you. I will present you blameless, spirit, soul, and body at the appearance of Christ Jesus. You listen to me. I will take you through. 
I will take you through. I will take you through. I will take you through. But let's go back. No injury, whatever was found on him. Why? Why? Because Daniel believed in his God. Do you believe? At the end of the day, it comes back to that. Faith, do you believe? You know what? The Bible says in the gospel according to John, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict of sin, of righteousness, the world of sin, righteousness, and of, and of judgment. Of judgment. Why? Because they did not believe in his son. Why will a whole lot of people go to hell? Simply because they did not believe. Do we believe? That's where faith comes. Faith. Do you believe? Hebrews 11.33 Who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, and stopped the mouths of lions. How did Daniel stop the mouth of lions? Yes, it is the angels who were sent. They shut the mouth of the lions. But what was Daniel's part? He believed. He believed. No weapon that is formed against me will prosper. Every lying tongue that rises against me in judgment, I shall condemn. Why? Because my righteousness is of God. This is my inheritance as a servant of God. God shut the mouth of lions because he believed. So the question is, do you believe? Do you believe? So 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. It's a very Young teenager. He did not know of any of these things going to happen. But he made a simple decision which did not have anything to do with the spirit which had to do with the flesh. His Daniel 1.8 He purposed in his heart I will not defile my flesh. A simple thing about eating. Simple thing about eating. He decided no. Is it so difficult to make a decision? I will not defile my body. At a time today, everybody is into addictions. Is it a difficult thing? Let me tell you again. I grew up in a country where almost every second shop or some lane, every shop is a bar. Liquor is probably the cheapest in the world. And people cross the border to drink. In my house... My own home was full of liquor bottles. All kinds. You tell me the brand, you tell me, I can tell you which brand my dad drank. And I was the one who was sent to buy it every day. You name it, brandy, whiskey, rum, beer, it flowed like water in the house. I grew in the midst of it. And I was never tempted by it. And I wasn't a believer. So don't tell me after hearing and sitting in the church, it is so difficult for us. My foot, it is difficult for you. You choose to drink. You choose to drink. 
kid from Judah, standing in a Babylonian court, is able to make a decision. Can't you make it? I didn't know God. And many times, I had to take my father's friends when they were drunk and reach them to their homes. They were all Indians. We were the only Indian family there, so they all gathered in our house. I can tell their names. They're dead and gone. I can tell their names. Captain Lance Naik or Havildar Russell, Russellin and Mr. Menon. I took them all to their base camps as a young boy studying in class for holding these drunk men and reach them home. Never tempted me. Never bothered me. I knew the brand my father smoked. How many packets a day? Wills and Gold Flake and Charminar and all. I wasn't even interested. The only thing I was interested in is cigarettes was the filter in it. Because I took it out and pulled the cotton out. I was interested in the filter. So what are you talking about? What is so difficult about these things? Never was ever tempted by these things. Because I'm talking to young people now. We are talking about a man who was thrown into a lion's den and he has faith. He shut the mouth of the lions. Angels were sent. The king is not able to sleep. You know why? Because when he was young, he made a decision. And you can still make those decisions. And it's not too difficult. It is not so difficult. It is not so difficult. You can still make those decisions. And those decisions pay off. You know what the Bible says? It says, what did God give them? In verse 17. For these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding. You need knowledge. You need skill. You need wisdom. And you need understanding. Knowledge, you need knowledge. Our God is not a taker. He's a giver. You do something for God. God will not be your debtor. And this isn't the secular stuff I'm talking to you today. People die because of lack of knowledge. Because of lack of wisdom. Because of lack of understanding. Because they are not skilled. I keep telling people, be good at least in one thing in your life. One thing in your life. Don't be a jack of all trades and master of none. One thing. And there is a God who says, I will give you these things. All I ask you is, will you keep yourself clean so that my spirit can come and stay comfortably with you? So you have knowledge, you have skill, you have wisdom, you have understanding. And to top it all off, you have faith. You have faith. Faith and wisdom are not the same. The foolish, five foolish virgins, the door was shut on their face. It's not because they didn't have faith. They did not have wisdom. A lot of people don't have wisdom. Simple, practical wisdom they do not have. Daniel had a gift. He had an understanding. And he told the king, this is the interpretation of Daniel. Joseph had it. He said, this is the interpretation. This is what is going to happen. Seven years famine, seven years this thing. This is what is going to happen. Then came wisdom. King, this is my counsel to you. You know what? In every city, build storehouses. And during the time of plenty, store it in the storehouses. And when the famine comes, give it out. Do you see a government in Sri Lanka 
cells because they did not have the wisdom of do you know when famine comes the riots take place the cops have to be called the army has to be called to the city dispensation and government says egypt government did not fall because a young man had wisdom a young man a hebrew young man had wisdom how to come through famine what did he say there are times of plenty put away put away put away how many times do i have to tell you if you put 10 rupees a day you will have 300 at the end of the month if you put 20 rupees a day you will have 600 rupees at the month if you have 50 rupees i'm going by the denominations which you have given according to your salary if you put 50 rupees a day you will have 1500 at the end of the month if you put 100 you will have 3000 according to your salary but at the end of the month you would have still put away something and then when a necessity comes you are able to use it but people don't do it simple practical wisdom of joseph of course when faith comes and god says give it all away but wisdom wisdom famine is here knocking at the door knocking at the door have you used wisdom have you used knowledge have you used understanding are you skilled when your company has got 50 employees and they're planning to lay off 40 are you the one they will retain because the bible says kings came and kings went and all were enemies to each other but they all wanted daniel in their court because he was in indispensable do you know why he was indispensable he was indispensable because as a young man he had made a decision you know what the decision he made i will not defile myself and god gave him understanding god gave him knowledge god gave him wisdom and he worked hard he worked hard i'm not saying he did not work hard he worked hard but working hard alone will not get you these things because there are all kinds of people in the world who work hard but they don't have the spirit of god with them and for them we have god for us we have god for us and can you stand in your public squares and say lord would you be with me would you be with me would you be with me at some point i'm telling you young people some point in your life you have to cross that line i am for god there's no turning back some point in your life many are like the generation of elijah sitting on the wall between two opinions still haven't made their decision if yahweh is yahweh follow him if baal is baal follow him the people said nothing and the prophets also will say multitudes multitudes in the valley of decision and the day of the lord is near when will you make up your mind you do not know the advantage of making a decision for god because you do not have to fear you do not have to fear i know because when i was put into situations in this secular world i'm telling you when i came to hyderabad i didn't come to minister i didn't come to pastor i didn't even have a church i came to do my research and you end you enter into the foremost institute for english in india and everybody you turn anybody are all rankers and you are not a ranker you know the only way i could stand alone was because of god because of god because of god i decided that day i ain't going to deny him for a degree 
You go to IFLU. There's a prof there in the radio department called Sadish Pudwal. I got his letter when I left IFLU. He writing there, James, you framed my life by your testimony. You would not budge on theory. For me, this was my theory. This was my theory. I am not going to write a paper where I will deny my God. Because that's literature. I will not. I will not. And here was a guy who had no language, who used to, who had no confidence in speaking in public. Absolutely never did. I still remember my first baptism by fire when I was sent out to teach in the secular realm. I was just 23 years old. And my students, many of them were older than me. And I was a rookie who had never taught in his life. But you know, what would you think about this God who knows us? Before I enter into that country, as I'm entering into the country near the India Gate, and I showed Pastor Vijay last time, I said, I saw a small little shop. It was written, New Life Book center. I enter into that bookshop and I pick four books, take it and go into the country. I'm not going to get out for the next two years. You know who those books were? Daily readings from Martin Lloyd Jones, Watchman Nee, and uh, God's Underground, Richard Wombrand. A kid who did not have a church. A kid who did not know his Bible, but my God knew him. So you know what? I'm entering in this country, not with guides and textbooks on Shakespeare, which I have to teach. I enter with my Bible and four books. And I'm never taught in my life. Do you know there was a situation in the institution? You know why? Because every other class, which where I did not teach English, they went to the principal and said, we want Sir James to teach. You know why I was good? I was good because my God was with me. Because I had no experience. I had nothing. I didn't even have a beard. I had nothing. One day I step out of my classroom, just thinking, is there somebody standing outside? Do you know what I see outside my door? The principal, the vice principal, and three other English lecturers are standing outside my door to listen. Why is this guy different? You know what was different? My God was different. My God was different. The God of Daniel is your and my God. When I came behind the pulpit, it was the same thing. 25, 30 years ago in the year 1994, I was a young kid here research in Iflu. I was going to this church. Suddenly the pastor calls me and said, next Sunday I am not here, you are preaching. I said, what? You are preaching. Next Sunday he wasn't there. See, if he's there, he can preach. He can always look back. No, there's nobody there. The whole church sitting over there. All people from ministry, senior ministries from World Vision, OM, all sitting in the church over there. And here this is rookie who came to do his PhD in Hyderabad, preaching. Do you know where I preached from? Genesis chapter 2. That's when I knew what I was called for. It was in order to teach literature. It was to teach his people. God is for you. God is for you. Complete it for me. God is for you. Who can be and what can be against you? What can be against you? We are so busy pursuing everything except that one person we need to pursue. God. 
God gave him wisdom. God gave him knowledge. God gave him understanding. God gave him skill. And on top of that, he capped it up with faith. And when he was thrown into the lion's den, angels were sent because Daniel believed in his God. Shall we stand this morning? Shall we pray? Just in your own words, tell God, Lord, I'm standing in your, I have nothing and nobody but you. But I realize all I need is you. It doesn't mean, matter if all the satraps, all the governors, all the powerful people of this world plot against me. But Lord, you know me. I want to cross that line like Daniel and never look back. He says, even if you're unfaithful, he is faithful. But if you deny him, he will deny you. Don't deny him. It's not worth it in this life or the life to come. Do not deny him. For some flavor, tidbit, promotion, the devil will give you. Some incentive, the devil will give you. Some promotion, the devil will give you. Something, the devil will give you. It's not worth it, child. It is not worth it. I will not deny you. I will not deny you. Just say that to the Lord. Throw away your bottles, which is from, from where you secretly drink. Your cigarette boxes, your tobacco, whatever it is, just throw it away. It is simply not worth it. Allow the Spirit of God to cleanse your spirit. Bible says, humble yourselves. Humble yourself before God this morning. Father, we just come to you. Spirit of God, you do the work in each one of us. It's not the same work. You alone know what each one is struggling with. You know my struggles. You know Pastor Vijay's struggles. You know Elsa's struggles. You know Justin's struggles. We four who are there as a ministerial couple. You know our struggles. You know everyone's struggles. Even the little ones sitting here. You know their struggles too. And you love every one of us. You send your son that through his blood we may be sanctified. You sent your spirit that he may sanctify us. And present us to the Father one day. Blameless in the body, in the soul and the spirit. And he is faithful to do it. Oh Lord, do your work in us. Now, through the day, through the week, through the months. Let this work never end, Lord. We may think we have arrived. But you alone knows where we are. Continuously cleanse us, sanctify us. Let the voice of the God become louder and louder and louder in our ears until we are able to hear the voice of God like a trumpet as John heard in the island of Patmos of God because he had been cleansed and purified by the Spirit of God. That's our prayer, Lord. Because all we need is God with us. And we will have rest in the midst of our trials. Our testings. The mouths of the lions will be shut. Not a bone of ours will be broken. And at the appointed time, our king will lift us up out and put us on the rock for us to stay, O Lord, O Father. In one day, Joseph's life was changed forever. In one day, Daniel's life was changed forever. And you are the same God, O Master. I pray, Father, we will run this race with endurance. 
getting rid of every sin and every dead weight that holds us back from the plan and the purposes of God, O oh Master. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. I bless your people here and everywhere online in the name of Jesus. Bless them, protect them, preserve them, and keep them until the day of your coming. For in Jesus' name I pray, amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Young men, you have five minutes.